0: Welcome to the serialized audiobook of Title Fight, Season 2 of the Galactic Football League Series, written and performed by Scott Sigler. Title Fight is also available as an ebook and as an ad-free, unabridged audiobook. For links to purchase any version, visit scottsigler.com slash titlefight. Title Fight. Round 2. The Heretic versus Broca the Razor-Barbed What were you last time? Untrained. What are you now? Trained. What were you last time? Untrained. And what are you now? Trained. Marcus drilled the mantra into Kyle's head with all the subtlety of a rusty corkscrew. Over and over again. Relentlessly. The older fighter-turned-manager paced up and down the corridor, scarred hands clasped behind his back. He wore the same blood-red satin ring jacket that he'd worn back in his days of chasing the title. Diablo lasered across the back and a pair of smoking satanic eyes under it. But the tunic underneath the jacket was emblazoned with the name The Heretic. Kai braced himself against the wall, head lowered, eyes closed. The Klar brothers buzzed around him, performing last-minute prep on the heretic's tricked-out wet wear. Georgie Klar checked the stability of the radiant shielding that protected Kai's neural implants, while Bennett Klar, a handheld monitor jacked into one of the dozen ports embedded in Kyle's flesh, downloaded diagnostic information from his body's electrical system. It's time, Marcus finally growled. Kai stepped away from the wall as the Klars disengaged their equipment. The noise beyond the huge steel door at the end of the service tunnel was dampened, but Kai knew it would be deafening in a few seconds. That didn't faze him. Nothing did. He was trained. He was ready. His moment was coming soon. Together, they all mounted a steel conveyor sled. It hovered on an invisible field of electromagnetism, Carrying the foursome out of the service tunnel, into the arena and to one of the corner thrones, that sat poised above opposite sides of the octagon below. Countless thousands waited to greet the heretic, some with boos, many with fanatical cheers. Kyle's blonde hair was shaved to resemble a mohawk warrior from ancient earth, and he'd painted inverted crosses on the sides of his head. The same symbol decorated the hard composite spalder he wore over his left shoulder, as well as the thick codpiece secured to his regulation shorts. As the challenger, Kyle's corner throne lowered first. The announcer called him in, introducing him as the pride of the purest nation. Funny, that might have been true once, but not anymore. At least not the pride of the church. His corner throne touched down. Kai stood, his bare feet touching the canvas that was still a bit damp with blood from the undercard. The announcer started calling out the name of the champion. Brokaw the razor-barred. But even the high-tech sound system couldn't overpower the screams of the audience. Kyle watched Broca's corner throne descend, spotlights tracking it all the way. It's time, Marcus growled in his ear. They won't even see you coming, kid. Kai said nothing, but the words triggered flash bombs of memory in the back of his mind. Marcus's voice, the Klarr brothers' voices, The announcer introducing his opponent, the fans, they all faded into the background. Kai closed his eyes against the bright, flashing lights of the arena. He closed his eyes and remembered. Remembered the day. The day. The day, as Kai had come to think of it, began with his very first glimpse of Buddha City Station. He recalled every detail of what followed, with clarity normally reserved for the first time a girl kisses you, but that single image remained the most vivid. The Crusader's frigate was on approach above Allah. Kai stood before one of the starboard viewing ports, in the blue tunic with its crucible X symbol that all purest nation fighters wore. Beneath him, Allah rolled in seemingly endless shadow. Then the sun broke and he saw it. Buddha City Station rising over the southern hemisphere of the planet, its alloy edges burning with solar light. The man standing next to Kai commented that it surely was the finger of the High One himself. Kai said the High One could kiss his ass and went back to his cabin to take a nap. Back then, he didn't care about beauty, adventure, any of that esoteric crap. All he cared about, all he had ever cared about, was competition. The holy men might say he was destined to be a fighter. Later, Marcus would tell Kai that destiny just meant having the right game plan. Kai figured the truth was somewhere in between. Kai was the son of one of the last consolidated evangelists, a shameless con man who used the high one to fleece every poor, dumb, outer rim hick out of the little money they'd managed to scrape together. His father had named him kai Al. That meant soldier in one of the old faith tongues. He did it so he could point to Kai during his revivals and call him the High One's little soldier. An idea struck the old man one day as he watched Kai wrestling with 40-pound quarry devils in the dirt field behind their home and breaking the vile creature's necks with his bare hands. A new gimmick was born in the back of his father's brain, and the next weekend, the old man began using Kai's natural ability as a grappler in his act. He'd challenge any member of the congregation to tie up with his scrawny, 14-year-old son in a gyroscopic grapple roll rig that simulated zero-G. At first, the old man fixed the fights, using plants or tampering with the gyrospheres, but it soon became clear that none of that was necessary. Kai was a monster. It didn't matter how old, how big, how skilled, nobody could outroll or outwrestle him. And while his father ranted and raved about the strength of the High One imbued in his little soldier, all the while having his acolytes circulate among the crowd, running side action on the matches and giving out sucker odds, Kai created his own world inside that gyroscopic sphere. He didn't care about the ministry or about the church. He hated his father and everyone like him. Combat was Kai's calling. He began working every day to make his striking skills match his power as a grapple roller. Even before his first wetware implant years later, Kai possessed unreal hand speed. He was a natural. The old man knew Kai was a gold mine on two legs, and it wasn't long before he took him out of the tent shows, twisting miners and freight loaders into abstract art, and started booking Kai in professional fights. When Kai was 18... The Crusaders' promotion, the Purist Nation's premier combat league, offered his father a 20-fight contract for Kai. The terms amounted to indentured servitude, but Kai never cared about money either. It meant he'd escape his father's ministry. It meant he'd get to compete against the greatest fighters in the Purist Nation. It meant he'd get a chance to prove that he was the best. Kai cut and shuffled the heavyweight roster like a deck of cards, decimating the rankings in less than a year. He racked up an undefeated 11-0 record in the Crusaders. They called him the Holy Hammer, and he came to be feared by his opponents. More than one had attempted to bust the ring's energy barrier to escape the punishment Kai inflicted. The Day Bob Laramie Memorial Arena, Buddha City Station Kyle The Holy Hammer North versus Kid Canwolf for the title of Crusaders' first Templar. Next to the PNFL Championship, it was the biggest event in the purist nation. Celebrities, VIPs, and holocast crews from Promised Land Sports Network lined ringside. Kai shook hands with Stedmar Osborne, owner of the McCovey Raiders. Legendary Templar Malachi Ides of March McMasters, Crusader's Hall of Famer wished him luck. Many of the big holy men were there. The grandstand seemed to rise all the way into space with tier upon tier of nationalites, tier upon tier of alien spectators, quartered in their own sections, of course. Kai had never seen anything like it, not even fighting at the MS Memorial Arena in Landing City. He beat Canwolf in 39 seconds of the very first round. The previously undefeated champion tried to tie him up so he couldn't unleash his hands, but Kai simply tossed Canwolf on his head and smashed him with knees until the wolf was reduced to a whimpering puppy. The noise from the grandstands was deafening. Bishops filled the ring, fighting with each other to congratulate and have their image captured alongside the new champion. And oh, the after-party! Black market liquor flowed, coral rock music blared, and they treated Kai like the high one himself. He was the best fighter in the galaxy. He had the title, and his father had lined up a trio of blue-skinned beauties to rub them both down back at the hotel. He had arrived. But first, Kai wanted one last drink. He picked the bar at random, mostly because it was frothing over with alien races. Still a new sight for Kai. The place erupted when he walked in. They'd all watched the Crusaders' event holocast live, and everyone, it seemed, wanted to congratulate the champ with backslaps and free drinks. But not the Quith warriors. There were three of them, all over six feet tall, their tough carapaces decorated with engravings and painted enamel designs. Their species equivalent of tattoos. Their petty palps extended from either side of the vertical mouth knotted with muscle. Kai didn't recognize Broca the razor Barbed, and why would he? At that point in his life, Kai had no conception of fighting outside the Pyrrhus Nation, and like all other organized sports within the church, no non-humans were allowed to compete. Broca said something in the Quith language that Kai immediately assumed was complementing his fight until everyone in the bar who spoke quith started laughing. "'What'd he say about me?' Kai asked the bartender, who seemed to be able to take drink orders in every tongue spoken in the place. "'Don't translate from quith real well,' the gruff man told him. "'I guess the closest thing would be, uh, schoolyard bully.'" Kai had received the same training as other children in school, or a version of it at least. They were all taught how to kill the so-called satanic races. But those classes were conducted strictly in the abstract, no more than basic anatomy lessons. None of that training could have possibly prepared Kai for starting a bar brawl, not just with a quith warrior, but with a quith professional fighter. Kai could never have guessed how strong a quith's petty palps really were until those two pinchers clamped down on the corners of his mouth and Kai couldn't break free. He tried to come over the top with punches, but Brokaw merely bent his pedipalps out and up and laughed as Kai's blows bounced off the thickly muscled appendages. Brokaw used the massive arms just above his waist to bash Kai's midsection, racking what felt like his entire being with beautiful, lightning-fast combinations that made Kai's knees buckle and his eyes roll back. When Kai dropped his hands to try and defend his ribcage, Brokaw closed the thick, leathery lid over his single, apple-sized eye and rammed the gravelly ridges of chitin surrounding it into Kai's face. Kai's nose would require two rounds of surgery before it would resemble something even vaguely human again, but that was nothing compared to Brokaw's petty palp hands tearing huge gashes up his cheeks, to the pain as those cheeks split clean through to leave Kai a grotesque clown smile. The quith warrior left him a crimson-masked half-corpse on the barroom floor. Until that night, Kai had never even been hurt in a fight, barely been tagged, let alone maimed. Brokaw wasn't laughing when he walked away. Despite the pain, all the blood, despite the fear, Kai remembered that distinctly. Brokaw was no longer amused. He was disgusted. As Kai suffered through weeks of healing in a rejuve tank, that bar fight consumed his every thought. Not because he was stripped of his newly won title for brawling outside the ring. Not because he'd been humiliated before the whole of the purest nation. Not even because he craved revenge on the quith warrior. No, it was because on that night, before his run-in with Broka, Kai had been convinced he was the best. But he was nothing. Worse than that, he was a pimple on the ass of nothing. He should have felt honored that a fighter of Brokaw's caliber would even take the time to pop him. The decision was made in a microsecond. When reporter Yolanda Davenport broke the story of Kyle busting his contract with the Crusaders, the controversy shocked the Purist Nation system. The story also started a legend, a legend that quickly spread to every fringe colony in the Outer Rim. The religious leaders banished Kael, but that was fine with him. He left the purest nation never to return. That was three years ago. Now, he found himself staring across the octagon at Brokaw the razor-barbed. A rematch of sorts, except this time, the prize wasn't walking out of a bar. This time, The prize was the GFA Heavyweight Championship. Not some human-only worthless title like the Crusaders, but the baddest sentient of all the races of the entire galaxy. Baddest save for one. Korak the Cutter. The heavyweight champion of the rival promotion, the IFA. But first things first. Kai would revel in this kill once he made it. He was prepared to take everything away from Brokaw to prove that he, Kai North, had become the superior fighter. Though he would never admit it to another living being, Kai respected the Quith warrior more than anyone else he had ever met. Broka was his first teacher, and the lesson Kai learned from him in the bar that night forged a complete fighter and a complete man from the raw, ignorant child Kai had been. He would honor the alien silently for the rest of his life.
1: In the climate ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geo-engineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. shopify.com slash realm.
0: The challenger is showing the champion no respect at all. Tony Barron, the silky voice senior commentator for the GFA, didn't bother to hide either his admiration or his shock. This is a massacre. We are not yet out of the first round, said Lusak the Sag, Baron's quith leader announcing partner. No one could have anticipated what we are seeing here tonight. Brokaw's petty palps dangled limply from either side of the quith warrior's vertical mouth, destroyed by vicious punches and torturous hand and arm locks before the first minute of the fight closed out. The swiftness of the heretic's attack was matched only by its brutality. Marcus had been right they didn't see him coming, and now the sudden, stark truth of the situation was being carved bloody and deep on their faces. Brokaw the Razor barbed GFA Heavyweight Champion, was seconds away from losing his crown, perhaps his life, and everyone in the arena knew it. His vertical base had been destroyed, leaving the Quith Warrior wide open. Despite this, Brokaw wouldn't allow himself to be reduced to walking on all fours in front of this human challenger. And that was the last mistake Brokaw would ever make. Kyle fainted with an overhand right, the weapon that had been rocking Brokaw on his heels. The Quith warrior took the bait, rearing back as he tried to dodge the blow. The heretic dropped almost to his knees, in one smooth motion, changing levels and wrapping his arms around Brokaw's waist bent his knees, and launched both of them into the air. The heretic and his 400-pound burden seemed to hang, suspended, ten feet above the surface. Kyle spun their bodies around and around like a zero-g death roll. And just when time seemed to halt, just when they looked as though they could levitate there forever, gravity ran its course. Kai slammed Brokaw down to the canvas. The Quith's reinforced spine took the full brunt of the impact, shattering to the core and sending electric fire into the back of Brokaw's brain. The Heretic has broken Brokaw the Razorbot in half! This fight is over! This fight is over! Kyle North is the new GFA Heavyweight Champion! Kai stared down at the former champion. The force of the final blow had split Brokaw's carapace down the center. A jagged crack opened no wider than a half-inch, but it was enough. Kai knelt and slid his fingers deep into the crack. He gripped each edge. Then, with all the force left in his arms, he pulled his hands apart. The hard shell splintered and broke, splaying Broca's carapace wide open. What the? Tony's ring commentator voice faded. His normal voice, a little whiny, a little thin... Showed his disbelief. What, what in High One's name is he doing? Kai shucked Brokaw's chest plate, exposing the spongy topography of the now former champion's innards. The organs within the blackish abscess were almost indistinguishable to Kai. Then he saw it, pumping clear and strong despite Brokaw's shattered spine. The Quith's heart looked like a blue worm with pulsing white veins. He watched its tight ring shrink at one end, then seemed to slide all the way up to the heart's 12-inch length, then the cycle started anew. The heavy-key ref attempted to tackle Kai, but a stiff kick to the hexagonal mouth stopped him short. The ref's five-eyed head snapped back, and he just stood there, stunned. Tony's panicked voice echoed throughout the arena. Someone get in there! Kai reached inside and closed his gnarled fist around Brokaw's heart. He stared down into the quith warrior's single eye, and in that brief moment, Brokaw looked up at him and nodded. Every hardened muscle in Kai's hand and arm contracted as he ripped the worm heart from Brokaw's ravaged chest. The crowd roared with cries of outrage. Cries of ecstasy. Cries of revulsion. The heretic held Brokaw's heart aloft. His face a demon mask of fury and vengeance. But inside, Kyle was calm. This was his moment. With Brokaw the razor barb crushed at his feet, with the championship won, with all eyes on him, this was his moment to introduce the heretic to the galaxy. Kai squeezed the heart of his enemy in his hand, felt it continue to beat, the worm rings coursing up its length, weaker and weaker each time. He let the last few pumped drops of blood run down his arm, staring at Brokaw's life force clutched between his knuckles. He heard the bell ringing. He heard the octagon door opening, the scrambling of many key feet as security rushed in. He had time one more thing kai bit into the still pumping heart taking its power the past taking its strength just before the security team dragged him down he looked at one spot in the stands one spot ringside where he knew he'd see the single quith warrior eye of korak the cutter And our top story of tonight on the Battleverse, Kyle North goes berserk, defeating Brokaw the Razor Barb to win the GFA Heavyweight title, and then murdering Broka in the middle of the ring. I was there, folks. I was there, and it was barbaric. I have to disagree, chick, said Massara the Observant. They are warriors, prepared to die every time they step into the octagon. Fighters get killed all the time. Not like that, Masara. Brokaw was down, defeated. It was over. That's not a fight-related death. That's murder. He probably would have died anyway. But we don't know that, Chick said. Doctors were ringside, and that's not the way the GFA works. Well, that's how a quith warrior works, Chick. Believe it or not, that's how Brokaw would have wanted it. He died in the ring. It's murder to kill a defeated fighter. It doesn't matter what race it is. Race completely matters, Masara said. I wouldn't expect humans to understand. Well, all of you, except for the heretic. There's one human who seems to know exactly how things should be. His massive, six-foot, nine-inch frame reclining on the bio-rack, his neck and cranium tightly secured in a metallic harness, Kai watched the meaningless debate between Mazzara the Observant and Chick McGee play out. He all but ignored Georgie Clark working on his head and Bennett Clark's efforts to graft new skin on his knuckles. A small split screen was situated in the corner of the full-length diagnostic holo projected above the bio-rack. The rest of the holo was filled with a transparent image outlining every electrical system and hard augment in Kai's body. The commentators, the diagnostics, He watched all of it with only moderate attention. What really held his focus was the black strip at the bottom of the holo-display, the one that gave running commentary on a closed-door meeting of the GFA Commission. That strip would tell him if he was still the champ or if the commissioners had yanked his title. He flicked his eyes to the upper left corner, changing the channel while leaving the black strip at the bottom. He scanned the news channels, ESPN, ESPN. GNN. He was the talk of the universe. Many were saying that Kai was the undisputed champion of the galaxy, while others insisted that Brokaw was over the hill, and the victory proved nothing. Some called for a permanent ban on both the Galactic Fighting Association and its rival promotion, the Intergalactic Fighting Association, calling the sport of unlimited mixed martial arts barbaric. Primitive. As if they knew. Kai, Korak, Broka, their brothers-in-arms. They were the real mark of civilization. Both MMA promotions made too damn much money to be shut down by anything other than the Kretorakian overlords. As long as all fighter mods were accurately reported, and the fighters were tracked with embedded locators, the bats didn't seem to care. Above the head harness, Georgie Klar peeled the protective sack that cradled Kai's brain. Kai could hear the wet, static cling sound of the membranous layer being stripped away, even though he couldn't feel it. Georgie had shut down his pain and pressure systems to do the maintenance. I told you to watch our hand speed, Georgie said. He wore a Medusa glove with thread-thin electrodes squirming from each fingertip. With a deft touch, Georgie introduced the end of each snake-like trode into Kai's gray matter. We spec your hurricane attack at 5.2 before the fight. You were working your fists at a factor of 9.6 at the end there. Even these digital accents can't handle that kind of signal output. You fried three dozen of the things and burned up one of your terminals. If it wasn't for your backup system, you'd be brain dead, drooling like a rag doll right now. Not to mention the tissue damage that forced me to laze the top of your damn skull off to fix. Guy stopped at ESPN. They were replaying Kai's hurricane hooks on Brokaw's extremities. The punching flurry was one of his trademark attacks, and the faster he worked his hands, the louder the crowd exploded. You gotta give the people what they want, Georgie, Kai said, with his customary casualness. Stick a mic in his face or point a holo-recorder at him, and he was electric. He was the heretic. He mesmerized and infuriated with his words and his personality. But in private, Kai was a walking flatline. Nothing mattered to him other than the training, the fights, and the crowd. Lay off the champ, Bennett said. Do you ever back off? Why don't you climb off the rag and let the man bask in the glory for a minute or two? Bennett worked the flesh melder along Kai's adamantium-reinforced knuckles. The hurricane hooks had stripped much of the flesh away. Another reason to go easy on the speed. You're a jerk, Georgie said. When you got three separate neurological doctorates, you can tell me what to do. Until then, you're a shucking glorified orthopedic surgeon and you should know your place. Bite me, Bennett said. I got to repair all the muscles he tore up in his shoulders with that last power bomb. That's just what you do when your guy just won the belt and that's why you don't hear me bitching. The Klar brothers were the best tandem combat wetware techs in the League of Planets, but they argued like an old married couple. It never disturbed Kai, however. But then, very little did. Another, much more ragged voice joined the conversation from across the room. I just heard from Brokaw's people, Marcus said as he entered the biochamber. They congratulate you on your honorable defeat of their fighter and respectfully ask that you return the remains of his heart once they have passed through your system. Something about quith-burial rituals. Brokaw's heart. The reaction from the crowd had been epic on every level, really legendary right down to five key security guards dragging Kai down as Brokaw's blood spilled across the canvas. But Kai almost regretted it now, just as he almost regretted Brokaw's death at his hands. Kai didn't have the prejudices most humans harbored against the so-called satanic races. Growing up with the father he had, Kai realized early in life that most of what a holy man said was pure crap. And the quith fighter had earned more than his respect. He had changed Kai's life, made him better, made him a man. Shuck him, Kai said. It's my trophy. What are you going to do? Marcus asked. Pick the pieces out of your crap and have them cast in gold? The corner of Kai's mouth formed an almost imperceptible grin at the older man. It was from Marcus that Kai took the heretic persona. Marcus Diablo, his longtime coach and trainer. Marcus Diablo, the greatest champion that never was. Marcus Diablo, who'd come close several times in his career, but just couldn't seem to put it all together when the title was on the line. Kai liked him because he was a church outcast. He was banished from the purest nation like the devil, and he fought like one, too. Marcus glanced briefly at the ESPN holocast. The image showed Brokaw's early first-round attempt at a wrist-lock submission. I thought he had you with that. Looked like it was in deep. Nah, Kai said. I was just playing with him. Right, Bennett said. That's why I just fused the three broken bones there? Kai said nothing, which, considering his current position, was the closest he could come to shrugging nonchalantly. He hadn't been playing with Brokaw at all. In fact, it had been one of the scariest shucking moments in Kai's career. He had flashed back to that bar fight, to the kind of pain Brokaw could dish out, and had wondered, just for a second, if Brokaw was going to hand out a repeat performance. Those fears hadn't lasted. The game plan had been too perfect. The training too perfect. A broken wrist didn't matter if you took your opponent out in the first round. How's his knee? Marcus asked the younger Clark brother. Well, Bennett said, he managed to crack the diamond plate and the hydraulics in his calf are shot to hell, but it doesn't really matter. I was going to take all of it out after this fight anyway. He doesn't need the weight slowing him down. Yeah, he's already slow enough, Marcus said, looking at Kai. "'Shuck yourself, old man.' "'The only problem,' Bennett continued, "'is that when the hydraulics crapped out, it sent a power surge to the control servos in his joints. "'I'm probably going to have to rewire the whole setup.' "'Worth it,' Kai said. "'Strategy won that fight, kid,' Marcus told him. "'Not fancy hardware or flashy banging.' "'They, they helped, helped,' the Clark brothers said in unison, "'one of the rare occasions upon which they agreed. "'Kai didn't say anything.' Instead, he picked up the top of his skull from where it rested in a steel basin beside the bio-rack. His blonde mohawk had been shaved into another basin next to it. Kai's fingertip traced the faint lines that spider-webbed the interior of his skull, remnants of cracks long since healed. The jumping attack of a Sklorno fighter had smashed it to bits. That was Kai's first professional match against a non-human, he almost laughed now when he thought about what a complete disaster that had been. After the Sklorno hellstormed his crown from twenty feet in the air and fractured his skull, Kai went down. The Sklorno took to the air again with every intention of sending Kai to meet the high one. But at the last second, Kai upkicked. It was the worst possible defensive move he could have made, as the Sklorno broke both of his legs in half a dozen places, but it saved his life. Thankfully, his corner threw in the towel a second later. That was before Marcus. Ah, uh, shock me, Kai, Georgie said. I'm going to have to scoop out your whole damn brain to fix this. Wine, wine, wine. his brother taunted. Will both of you shut up for a minute? Kai was suddenly focused on the holo screen. On Battleverse, they were replaying his post-fight interview. The interviewer asked him how it felt to be the new GFA champion and in the same breath, asked if Kai thought the commission would strip him of the title. The heretic had answered as only he could. Crowns don't make kings, his own face said in the holotank, and titles don't make champions. There's only one fighter left in the Versailles after meeting this ring to prove that the heretic reigns supreme. My challenge is to Korak the cutter. But there's wide speculation he's retiring, the commentator said. Shouldn't you be more focused on whether or not you'll keep your GFA title not trying to unify the belts? I don't care about the belts, the holo heretic said. If Korak has anything under that turtle shell besides slowly rotting meat, he'll accept my challenge. He's not undefeated. Not really. Not while I'm standing right here. If he retires without fighting me, then his record has one loss. A loss that brings disgrace on all his worthless, satanic people. The screen vanished. Marcus had turned it off. Why do you say that crap? You don't even believe what you're saying. If it gets him in the ring, it doesn't matter what I believe. Bennett stood, brushing his hands off in his familiar all-done motion. You think Korak will accept? No, Kai said. A part of him has to know what'll happen if he does. You saw the Wheeler fight. Korak barely got out of that alive, and he knows it. He's finished. Besides, the IFA and the GFA will never let it happen. The champion loses the fight, loses face for that promotion. No one-night payday is worth that to them. That's why they don't cross-promote fights. You never know, kid, Marcus said in a way that made Kai think the old man did know and just wasn't telling him. My pops always said... Be careful what you wish for. Yeah, well, mine said I'd burn in the thirteen lakes of fire if I didn't follow the scriptures. Your point being? Father's lie. Maybe, Marcus said. But coaches don't. Korak didn't get where he is by being stupid. If you underestimate a 46 and old record, underestimate a warrior like that, even an old one, then I've taught you nothing. Kai couldn't turn his head. Marcus was a disembodied voice chattering nonsense. But that was Marcus's job, to chatter nonsense, to worry about things like that. Kai didn't worry. He could have beaten Korak in his prime, let alone the washed-up old lobster that now crawled around the ring. And while Kai suspected the fight would never happen, he could always hope. Hope that Korak would take one more fight. Just one more. You have been listening to Title Fight, Season 2 of the Galactic Football League Series. Written and performed by Scott Sigler. Produced by Ariak Morningstar, with post production by Steve Rickyberg. For more information on Scott and more free stories, go to ScottSigler.com. Theme music is the song The Kids Are Coming For You by the band Superweapon. Superweaponband.com. You're